It's official. One Shining Podcast is back, and I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as March Madness begins, we're covering everything from Selection Sunday all the way to the championship and beyond. We're going to have great guests that are coming through on the show. And look, if you're a friend of the program and you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. OSP is back. It's going to be right back in your feed. And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere, check it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer. A Spotify original. Yeah. Rob Schaefer, what's up, brother? Oh, man. There it is. The gang's Let's back together. Go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Turn me up, Rob. Turn me up. Do y'all do, uh, y'all, do y'all do video on this thing, or can I can I sit back a little bit? You can do whatever you oh. want to do, man. This is, I wanted, this is I, your... I did want to show you. I rocked the, uh, the old... Here's <laughs> <laughs> to you. From my uh, from my intern days, so I dressed up for you a little bit. Hey, thank you, thank you. Uh, what episode is this, Tony? Two fifteen? Man, I don't know. Jesse be knowing. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We're off to a rip roaring start. Episode two fifteen of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Golf. I am him. The names that you are about to hear, you already know a couple of them, right? We we know. The shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. We know the active Jesse Lopez. And, of course, my main man, Tony Gill, who is on the call with us. But we get a chance now to bring in a guy who I admire as one of the smartest young basketball minds that I've been around, that I've gotten a chance to work with. Uh, he has taken his talents now to Naptown and, in, and a, a bunch of other places that he will be 
uh, helping out make smarter fans of you in these areas around the Midwest. He is Rob Schaefer, ladies and gentlemen, intern, by the way, at The Ringer. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's full circle. It's, this guy was once an intern, now comes back in all the glory. Rob, always good to see you. Always good to talk to you, brother. How you feeling? I'm as good as can be, man. Uh, I'll steal a, I'll steal an adage from our buddy Casey Johnson and say I'm living the dream. Uh, and uh, and I'm, uh, when I say that, I'm being a little bit more sarcastic than I was uh, a few weeks ago saying that. Well, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, brother. Well, it's always good, to, like I said, to see you. Uh, can't wait to to read and hear your content. Uh, tell the people where you're going to be at, man, because for the people who don't know, like locally, you know, because if you're a Bulls fan and you've heard me do anything over the last couple of years on the Bulls side with NBC Sports Chicago, it involved a dude who was covering the team and doing it to uh, a high level, a very, very high level alongside of Casey Johnson and NBC Sports Chicago dot com. Uh, he has since moved on. Uh, what's what's next for the great Rob Schaefer, brother? Well, can't say I know fully yet for the time being. I mean, you guys know because I, I talked to you a little bit mm-hmm. off the air, but I got a few part-time jobs. I'm freelancing. I'm in that world at the moment. Uh, one of one of the things I just announced today, which we, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so it's it, it's a little serendipitous that it gets tied to that, but it is a good opportunity to say I'll be writing for Bulls.com at least through the end of the season, doing some features, doing some analytical stuff. Um, just breaking down trends and things that I find interesting about the team. So I'll still be in Bulls world. You know, if people stuck with me through my couple months of inactivity there, you might as well hang around for a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I'll get back on the Twitter. I won't be at games. I won't be at practices the way that I used to be, maybe sporadically. Uh, but I'll still be in the world of, you know, cutting up film, putting stats out, uh, et cetera. For like, for truly, at this point, it's for the maniacs who are still <laughs> living and dying with this thing right like i was t- yeah. i was texting you the other day jay i don't know how <laughs> i don't know how you've done it i listened to your last episode i was you know you were preaching to the choir a little bit with a lot of the stuff you were talking about but um at this point it's a weird time to get back in on the beat but at the same time i'm kind of happy because the people i'm doing it for now are the people who are really in it man like yeah. really yeah. really in it you know yeah the people who are clamoring for Derek Jones Jr. minutes, those <laughs> kinds of people. I know. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And by the way, this ain't Rob saying this, but this is me, Jason One Golf. At Jason One Golf. You could send me all of the tweets. You could send me all the shit that you want to send me. But this man uh, would be a, a terrific addition. And I'm not just saying this because he's on, because I've told people uh, at these different platforms, but this man would be a terrific addition to anybody's basketball coverage. And I'm looking at both the radio stations in this city. I'm looking at both the newspapers in this city. There's a lot of people who uh, who think they know basketball, who know basketball, but I don't like reading them and I don't like hearing from them. This dude is that dude. So. Uh, you know, I'm. Hey, listen, man, I can do whatever the fuck I want on this one. It's a little bit different than the other one, so that's yeah. that's that's my two cents as we get ready to blast off here. Uh, getting more Rob Schaefer in our lives is everything that we need. So, man, let's uh, let, let's jump right in. We'll 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 span out to uh, more relevant basketball, but here locally, uh, the Bulls sitting in a precarious position because now now a lot of fans are starting to say, hey. What are these last 17 games really about? What you're really trying to do? What you're trying to prove here? Obviously, the play-in is still the target. But, brother, what what have you seen from this team, let's just say post-All-Star break, that has 
made you question the plan or question anything for that like the roster, the way the roster's put together? Like what what are the biggest questions that are coming up for you since the, the All Star break, where they've been what three and eight, three and nine, something like that? Well, I think yeah, I think it's what three and eight since the deadline, and then they actually had a stretch after the break, right, where they played well and they had the the Nets win and the Wizards win and. Mm-hmm. You know, take the fourth quarter out of the Pistons game. That was a pretty good game, and it ends it ends in a W. I mean, my biggest thing is what it's been all year. The the whole operation it just seems scatterbrained. I, I don't know what the identity of this group is. I still don't. Sixty five games in, two seasons in, and what will we call it? Fourteen months since Lonzo went down. So that's like the new new iteration of the team. That's the team that we've the roster that we've had to adjust to, you know, after the all-star break last year, when kind of this decline started, you know, for what, for what there was the storyline since January 1st, they were the top ranked defense in the NBA. And, you know, you really start sinking your teeth into that and you say, you know, yeah, we we've been dissatisfied with the offense, but at least they've got a scheme and they're flying around and they're on a string defensively and Patrick Beverly, he's helping with the communication and yeah, there's some opponent, you know, shooting luck in here, but maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a kernel of something that they're building on. And then they have two of their three, four worst defensive performances of the year. I'm not going to blame them for getting torched by Phoenix. We're about to find out. Everybody's about to get torched by that Phoenix team. Right. Uh, but that Pacers game, too. Those are games where, you know, the Phoenix game wasn't that great offensively. But the Pacers game, you shoot 60% uh, and you lose at home. Not just because the Pacers were hot from three. But to me, a lot of the focus and connectivity and the rotations and things that had looked a little bit better the last month or two slipped. Uh, and then obviously we know what the struggles offensively have been. You're losing the math game at the three-point line every night. And there just isn't, you know, Tony and I, talk, we talk about this, Tony, like just off ball. Nobody moves. It's just, it's, it's just not, it's not aesthetically pleasing basketball to watch really on either end of the floor. So when you ask post-All-Star break, to me, it's the same thing it's been all season whatever the results have been for any like week or two week stretch here or there. I just still don't know what the identity of this group is. They don't have a compass to me and yeah, they're going to try to make the play and maybe they sneak into nine or 10. Maybe they make some noise more likely event. They end up in the lottery and we're praying for ping pong balls again. I just, from the way they look on the court to what the cap sheet looks like and the, being out picks, I, I just don't know what the path forward is. It's just all over the place to me. That's that's all I can kind of muster on it. Tony, uh, you've talked about this a lot, and I think you were you were the first. But you know, you, you, you're skeptical tone. That's what they call you in the streets. You were the first that really started to turn around on this thing before the the injuries excuse or the injury reason was starting to be leveled and and we kind of knew that okay Lonzo isn't going to be here and all the other stuff that goes along with this entire group um 17 games left how are you feeling and what do you think the direction should be of this team I remember the Brooklyn game where I was like hey (laughs) get a ball to Zach and have him find out what he is for the next 20 games 22 games and and find out what this team looks like around him being the lead ball handler and also the responsibilities and what that might bring about in terms of levying leveling I should say maybe some uh confidence right like or some some responsibility as well because a lot of lots on Demar's plate, and a lot is asked him, and he takes a lot on. I wanted to see that. What What do you think these next? What is it? You know, two and a half, three weeks are going to look like. 
Billy's gonna try and win these games, man. <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever lineup he has to use. Um, obviously, outside of sitting Zach Levine and uh, Demar Derozan, Vooch, those haven't been like real options. But why would they? Um, and what would it change? Yeah, like, like it. You they're know? just it, he's just taking swings at something, and hopefully, he can put it like three games, three or four games together. Um, and it feels like they're they're scrambling, and it's it's a weird feeling because expectations, right? Expectations is the what the the ruiner of joy. Is that a saying? Is oh, a look thing? at Tony. Look at Sage Tony out here. <laughs> huh? I didn't know we were gonna get that tonight. <laughs> I Let's mean, get that's it. That, that's what it is, right? Give for, me some more, every, Yoda Gill. <laughs> for every Bulls fan out there, we were told the goal is to be better than last year, and last year was a legit playoff berth. And a first round exit. So the natural inclination was second round of the playoffs. By and legit, you mean winning the play in, right? Above the play. Six seed and up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Six seed okay. and up. Yeah. <laughs> um okay. and it's gone the complete opposite direction. Uh I don't I don't it shouldn't be understated that this season is a failure. If that's what's the goal. This season, you failed. If you have to fight for a play-in berth, no matter what happens in that play-in game, this season was a failure because you did not meet the goal that was set by management. Um, They have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what went so wrong? We didn't have Lonzo all year, and that was still the goal. So what went so wrong this year that we didn't even come close to what the goal was? They, they really have to go in those meetings when they meet with all those players and the coaches. The heck happened this year? What the heck happened this year that made it like this? So there's going to be some hard truths and I hope some honesty. And I'm kind of happy the season went the way it went because there was some possibility that they could have covered their eyes and shielded themselves for a couple things. This was without a doubt a roster construction issue uh, a coaching issue and a player development and a player cohesive uh, issue that they have to address at every level so I'm glad the season is turning out the way it is that Patrick Beverly doesn't seem like he's going to be saving anything Um, that the real you see the warts and they're going to have to address finally the real issues with this roster the real issues with the roster is that You've got a bunch of guys who say the right things and then go out there and don't do the right things. Because you're not going to tell me that DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic can't play together to a higher level. It's just there are going to have to be sacrifices. And DeMar coming off of what was the San Antonio run and thinking that maybe he was going to catch on with the Lakers or somebody else and this being the redemption tour, right? And he, him out to prove something and also a team that frankly needs him to be what he's been. Now, you get on the other side of it, him being the lead ball handler and him being the lead decision maker, we've seen what that has spawned on some nights as well. I mean, Zach can't have 36 in three quarters and end up with 41. Right. Like there, there's certain things that have to be adhered to. Um, and, and you talk about looking in the mirror. Well, if you got the same guys looking in the mirror, it's just like any relationship. There's only so much changing that you can ask your partner to do before you have to acquiesce or learn what your new norms will be. And the new norms 
aren't satisfying and they're not satisfactory enough. So uh, let them tell it. So I, I would not have imagined this team being six, seven games under 500 as we sit here. I would not have imagined that. I thought this team would be somewhere around 500, mess around, get a couple of games over, fight for that six playoff seed, probably end up in that seven, eight spot during the play in situation. They are outside the play in looking in right now. You know, and, and as much fun as people like to make the Lakers and, you know, the, the, the gap between them and the Oklahoma City Thunder who came in trying to tank this year, you could do the same damn thing with the Bulls in the Eastern Conference. The same thing. Look at, look at the Pacers. And, I mean, you, you talk shit about the Charlotte Hornets all you want. How many games uh, uh, better uh, are the Bulls? What? Like maybe a few? Like four or five games, something like that? That, that, that should not be the conversation. Yeah, they should not be the conversation. And shout out to the Knicks, by the way. Tom Thibodeau, going Tom Thibodeau out here. Julius Randle playing 49 minutes a game, damn near. You're pulling a Wilt Chamberlain out there. But no, nah, man, I mean, you can, you can do the whole mirror talk. You can do the whole urgency and, and revelations and what the offseason should bring and, you know, soul searching. Man, fuck all that. It's not going to work. This does not work. The roster does not work together. And this is the next question I have to throw out to you, too. Nikola Vucevic leaving in free agency would look like a really, really bad thing since you did not trade him during the trade de- trade deadline period. Easy for me to say. Um, at 18 and 11, and the way that he has been limited... I think Nikola Vucevic is going to take those numbers to an a- his agent and look at the Detroit Pistons exchange with Patrick Beverly and some of the things that he's had to do for his game while catching all of the flack out of the three of those dudes. Would it be a bad thing if Nikola Vucevic decided, you know what, this ain't for me, and, and, and stepped off, even though you are losing everything you lost in terms of what you were swinging for in that trade with draft capital and throwing the development idea out the window – what say y'all on the future of Nikola Vucevic? I say the trade's over. You got fleeced. Can't move forward thinking about optics. About it. You just can't. Right? I mean, and to me, now let's see how the rest of the season plays out and, and who knows. But I could see a world where it's best for everybody if Vooch finds greener pastures. Because to me, I don't know that he's being, even though the numbers look good on paper, I don't think he's being maximized offensively the last two years. Nope. And one thing that I've said for a long time on this topic, if you want to be, it's clear at this point, right? The Bulls are going to have to take steps back to take steps forward in terms of being a, a contender one day, because clearly this roster has to be shaken up in a big way. Like Tony, you talked about the injury thing, the injury, they don't, they don't have the injury card this year. Vooch, you've had all 65 games. Pat Williams, you've had all 65 games. Io, you've had 63 of 65. Zach, 61 of 65. Damar, 59. Kobe, 57. Caruso, 55. And what's funny, I think about this a lot, and it's going to tie back to the Vooch point, I promise you. I think about this a lot. I can't remember if it was the preseason or early in the season. Darnell Mayberry, he asked Billy a question in one pregame session where he basically asked Billy, Billy, you know, we ask you about all these individual players all the time, and you tell us that you're seeing good things from them and that they're playing well for who they are, right? Your Derek Jones Jr.'s, your Caruso might be an all-defense guy this year. Vooch, Jason, you just said the numbers. DeMar's an all-star. Zach, since the start of December, the numbers look like what you'd expect from him in his all-star seasons. Uh, like, if all of these guys are individually in a silo, 
if not meeting expectations, not like super disastrously far under expectations, why has the team not coalesced? And it's because the roster isn't balanced and it's not well built, especially to play basketball in 2023. And to me, that's where the Vooch thing comes in, where I think he's played about as good, about as well defensively as you could expect Nikola Vucevic mm-hmm. to play, given his limitations. They, they've clearly got a scheme in place where they're showing him at the level and they're helping a ton on the backside. They're packing the paint. They're trying to force, you know, uh, audacious passes by opposing ball handlers and sprinting out the three-point shooters. Like, they clearly have a plan there to try to mask for some of their personnel shortcomings. Uh, and it's worked, you know, there have been stretches where they've been a good defense this year. But to me, I just think you're limited in your versatility with a guy with his defensive limitations. Like, to me, I would just rather see a guy that's more switchable and more scheme malleable at that spot. And... I just I just look at how this team was at its most successful and they were playing fast and it just wasn't it's not the style that I think is most conducive to Nikola Vucevic's game. Um so I think there's a world where it could be best for all parties. And I think like remember when this front office was so beloved by the city, what were they doing? They were dispassionately evaluating the shortcomings of the roster that they inherited top to bottom and they were taking no prisoners. Like, if you didn't perform and you didn't perform quickly, like, you were out the door. If you didn't fit the program, you were out the door. I worry that this has shifted now that, quote-unquote, their guys are in the building and we're not getting that same level of dispassionate evaluation of what works and what doesn't. Like, remember remember 2021 free agency? How, no matter if you thought they were being a little too overzealous and accelerating the window, at least you could say, I know, yeah, we'll we'll get to that, Tony. At least you could say, like, look at a guy like Caruso. You remember how awful the point of attack defense was in that 2020 mm-hmm. 21 season? Just getting killed on every screen. It was destroying their pick and roll defense, their defense at large. You go out, you get Caruso and Lonzo Ball, two guys are, who are elite in that category. You go out and get one of the better clutch shot creators in the league in DeRozan because they were awful in clutch games two seasons ago. Now they're awful again this year. That's, a, that's another story. All right. That process of identifying issues and intentionally addressing them has eroded since that 2021 free agency period. I just, ha- I, it's just because the roster hasn't changed. And that was kind of my fear during 2021 free agency is that they capped themselves out draft capital wise, salary cap sheet wise. They just haven't been flexible to, to shake the thing up. And I think this off season is going to have to be a time where, like you said, Tony, uncomfortable conversations have, I think it could be a silver lining that they're not really anywhere close to, to where they want to be now. So you're kind of forced into that corner of making big changes um and and, you know for me i think nikola vucevic like i said finding green pastures i think it ultimately could be best uh for both sides we'll see what happens maybe you get something back in a sign and trade maybe he does end up coming back and you find other creative ways to improve the roster around him and you could still look a little bit better or more well-fitting next year i don't know but there's absolutely no way you can't be open-minded to everything right now you have you just you just have to be You, you can't you can't have any like rigidity in your approach at all, in my opinion. Time for some commercials. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! 
Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So what is this offseason? Because if you don't want to mess around and get into the tax for a team that is uh, you know outside of the play-in or in the play-in, if you're Michael Reinsdorf, what does this season look like for Arturis Karnaschovas in terms of the pieces that he has to move to make a substantial difference on this squad? And who are the names that you think are least likely to move around? I, I don't know who's likely. I wanted to pose this question to you guys because I, okay. I, fl- I think I flipped on this again. But where are you guys at with Zach right now? Because there's been noise throughout the season, obviously. Yeah. I think a lot I wouldn't of be surprised if Zach Levine asked for a trade in the offseason. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was moved either. But I guess it depends on what the ancillary moves would be on top of that. But to me, of those three guys, he's the one that I'm hanging on to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like just in terms of playing 21st century basketball and in terms of his versatility offensively. I also think I've been doing kind of deeper rewatches of the games lately, kind of anticipating, um, you know, this gig that I've got going on now. Mm-hmm. I really don't think he's the problem defensively. I, you know, he's I, I think it's fair to say he's not like a two way, like plus amazing defensive player. I think he's mostly in the right place. He talks. Um, he's athletic enough on the ball. I just think when you look at him as a three level scorer and a guy who can get out and run. I think he's an easier skill set to build around than Damar and Vooch. Because when, when you talk about guys that, you know, what could you get in return? Who do you need to, you know, ship out or bring in to shake things up? I think you're looking at those three guys first. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with Zach right now. But I'm curious where, where you guys are. Well, I, I've always had a higher opinion. Well, I don't, I don't put words in Tony's mouth, but Zach showed me something the year before he got paid that I was looking for, which was being tougher than a lot of guys out there playing through injury. Um, mm-hmm. The efficiency that we saw the year and a half prior to that in terms of him reaching that level of elite score while also not having to take 30 shots a game to get there, I was enthused about. I've always wanted him to be a better playmaker, and that was from four years ago when I saw him and Lowry marketing and thought to myself, why are these two engaging in any two-man game being the two best players on a really bad team? So I, I've always wanted him to be a difference on the playmaking side of things because of his quickness, because of his first step explosion, because of the fact that he can find somebody, he's got good enough vision to find somebody. It's just, you know, you have to eliminate some of that, some of the bad shots and some of the turnovers that, you know, once a game where you're like scratching your head, but I've always had a higher opinion, I think, than most. And this is me coming off of him being, you know, what I thought was an empty calorie guy for a lot of his career. And and when it was time to sign that first deal, I was like, okay, you know, make him go look, which they did. And he went and got it and he came back with the number and, and they matched it. So I I think highly of Zach Levine, but I put him, I think, in a, in a place where um, he's not going to be able to hurt me being the best player on the team. And that's where I need to get him. I need to get him to the point where he's looking at another guy. Like, I mean, shout out to Paul George, man. Paul George came out and said, you know, self-inventory, self-awareness, so taking some, some, uh, you know, taking a, taking a step back and saying to yourself, I'm cold, but how cold am I? 
That right? was understated, like, I think, yeah, this week. Yeah. Jay. I think that yeah. was super understated this week. Yeah. No, it was an amazing and, – and you know what? I know a lot of old heads were looking at Paul like, see, that's why he ain't the man. No, 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 no. That's why he is the man. Because last year coming off the playoffs that he came off of and regaining his name and then saying on top of it, yo, I know, shit, if LeBron – like we talk about superstars and and – you know, who needs help and this guy taking him by himself. Man, do y'all know what James Harden did for seven years in Houston? Seven years? He's one of the best players in the fucking NBA and and couldn't get as close as anybody would would have liked to see that much production and that kind of star. But we want to see him on the stage, right? Couldn't get close. Maybe because of some of the workout habits and uh, the body breaking down after so much usually during a regular season. But I say that to say... We we talk about these guys like there's more than maybe two or three players, four players total that could be like, all right, the, the, there's can be a sizable, substantial gap from me to the second best player on this team and us be a t- title contender. And, and, and who are we really talking about when we say that? So it's not some kind of knock to say, yeah, he's not the guy on a championship contender. There's a lot of fucking Hall of Famers running around with numbers and accolades and titles. Because they weren't the guy. So this is not a knock on Zach, but if you can ascend to a Paul George level and 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 be the number two, that means you got a hell of a number one, right? And also you you're ready to to contend for something. So Tony, you how do you feel about Zach in this moment as we sit here at the end of this season with this team toiling outside of the playing tournament? I I think you said it right where I don't, I don't need. The issue with having Zach as your is your best player, I think, is the, the culture that you know he brings and the acknowledgement that he's probably not that guy. Um, that's a tough conversation to have. That is a tough realization uh, to have, but it's true. Um, he's at he's in the middle of his prime in his career. Nobody fears a Zach Levine led team. No disrespect. Nobody, but nobody does. Um, it's just not a a thing. And and here's my thing: we talked about this as soon as they made that signing of of Demar Derozan that this was going to be an issue. And it looked nice, you know, for those first couple games uh, for for that first half. But that was the that was my big issue. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to put this on anybody. This was this was my big issue. That there's going to come a time where Zach Levine wants to ascend, but DeMar DeRozan is going to do DeMar DeRozan things because he is the veteran. He is the guy that has done the most winning out of everybody. And, and it's how he's wired, too. Yeah. <laughs> and he came in here to prove a point that y'all wrote me off. I didn't sign that check. Shout out to Geno Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and he he did it. He made his point. I can still play at, at an all-star level. He did that the first year, and it was entertaining, but it wasn't going to be sustainable for where they, where the Bulls are trying to get to. Um, so if I had to pick and choose, I would choose Zach Levine because he is more modern. Um, we've seen what this looks like now with Demar and Vooch. Uh, if they had to trade or start over with one of them, it should be Zach Levine, but with the acknowledgement that. I can't build this entire thing around Zach exclusively. He can't be this. The, there needs to be a plan to get him a guy that's better than him 
So we can see what I always dreamed of Zach Levine as more athletic Clay Thompson, where he is not dissecting the defense and not holding the ball, that he's catch and shoot, catch and drive, catch and pass. Finish, finish plays. Right. Finish plays. Fin- right. Finish yeah. the plays. He's not a create creator of plays. He's a finisher of plays. And you need a guy that can set the table and be the, the head guy Um and that guy's just not on that team, on this team right now. So I'm, if they're going to rework this, it should be around Zach. But keeping it in mind that you, he can't be the the guy. Yeah, I, I that's the thing. I'm not even thinking about it in the sense of he's got to be the guy next year because right. this is a multi-year project building this thing back up at this point. So I'm just trying to get the situation under control. And I think Zach is the most versatile of the three of those guys. And I just, I can see, you know, depending on what other moves you make, getting role guys, three and D guys, some defensively versatile guys around him that makes sense. And you could be a competitive, fun team that is still building towards something. You know, like I said, even if it's not going to happen this year, but as depressing as it is, and listen, I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to be a tank guy just because once you know how, you know, the NBA business works yeah, like might just, as well <laughs> but, but, I, but i'm just saying i'm just saying it like doesn't, it doesn't work the way fans think it works all the time it's and not, not even happen. all the time most of the time yeah. like give me the give me the tanks of recent note that have worked well you have like the mini ones right so like i remember in uh what was it the 2020 21 season when toronto basically they knew their season was going nowhere and you just kind of throw away the last 10 or 15 games and they ended up moving up that was the scotty barnes year they end up getting mm-hmm. into the top four of the 2021 draft that was a year where a lot of people were saying the bulls it was the food trade and zach got covid and it all got kind of screwed up so there are many ones like that i mean well, toronto's right now what in seventh place something like that yeah and no, i think yeah. they might be further back uh process got the sixers mb they haven't made it out the second round so you know what's your metric of success but um there was some level of fruits that were that were reaped from that. I mean, y'all know my favorite NBA team is the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. I just got done watching them before. That's why I was three minutes late to the pot. I was watching them finish no, off the Warriors. Good. So, yeah. you know, that you could you can make an argument for that. But but the, the bigger point, which I agree with Chase, it's just it's not reasonable, especially mid-season, to pivot like that. Um so I've never expected it. I'm never gonna call for it. I'm never gonna I, you know, every fan can personally root for whatever you want to root for. Because to me, obviously, the best way forward is to somehow stumble into a top four pick. And I'm not—I'm no draft expert, but I've watched a little bit more college for some other work that I'm doing. And I know a little bit about the G League guys. Man, you can't go wrong in the top four this year. You can't. The top, you it, can't. Zoom it out to the top ten, and it's, it it's looks nice like a really, 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 really good draft. Uh, so to me, you know, I hate to be in that position again where you're rooting for that. Um, so again, to each their own, but to me, that's very, very obviously the best path forward is if they stumble into that, obviously. All right. Speaking of young players, which one of these bulls, three young players has the best career going forward? What, which three? Kobe, Io, and Pat. Uh, I I go Pat. Uh, I don't really even have to think about it that much. Really? You know, Rob Schaefer. Is that a hot take? (laughs) No, tell us, tell us more. I think he's the best player of the three right now, and he's the youngest. 
Mm -hmm. And I just think the floor for a guy that's 6'9", and versatile defensively and is already even if it's not on the volume you want his volume is increasing he's getting better maybe not at the speed people want as an outside right. shooter athletically like you can see and you're seeing it more and more lately I, i've very very sneakily seen some stuff come out of him with this recent move to the bench that you kind of like on drives overpowering guys i just think the floor for that type of player i could just so easily see him turning into jeremy grant light within three or four years something like that um, oh, to, from from your mouth to the basketball guy's ears. I'm 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 there. I'm there. If you, you know, the 17s and the 14s have become a little bit more frequently. You know, they they've been coming a little bit more frequently where he's he's in the teens. You know, and 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 putting his stamp on the game uh, defensively. I defensively, I think that he is. We talk a lot about offensively, but defensively, I think he could be a lot better. And I think he's okay now, but I think he could be a lot better than he is defensively now, too. So mm. um, I just <laughs> I think recalibrating the expectations as many times as we have over the last couple of years for such a young player uh, can, you know, kind of leave us jaded. And I know it's left me jaded. I'm not even going front, like fighting the Patrick Williams fight and seemingly him popping up and poking his head out from underground and giving you two, three games in a row where you're like, okay, this is, this might be it. Something's coming here. And then you'll have the halves where he scores two points or he scores four points and he's, uh, you know, he's being benched for whatever reasons. and He's losing his starting spot because of positional situations. Like I'll, I'll know he's arrived when there isn't a position or a matchup that is better suited for someone else to start in his position. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's, good point. That's a good point. That's, like, that's, like, that, that's what I'm still struggling with. He's not making people say this is stupid as fuck to sit me down and put me on the bench uh, when, when we've you know got Alex Caruso as the starting power forward. If that makes any sense. That Toronto game, like, there's oh, there's no world where it should be a defensible decision to not have him out there. Jay and said frankly, it, bro. I mean, even, even with Jay, his Jay inconsistencies, it. it's not a defensible decision anyway. But yeah. when you're getting killed like that on the glass, when you've got – I mean, it's funny, like, because people, I think, get it twisted with Toronto where – they have Pirtle now, but they don't always play a traditional center, so you think they're quote-unquote small. Their positional size – Two through four, big, two big through men. five, like big long men. boys. Hey, they yo, overwhelming. Me? Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, take it fucking pump. easy, Tone. Jesus. Pump the brakes. And then you, and then you, oh, okay, pump the brakes. I'm like, are you saying pump for some reason? Like, what, are going, what we got going on here? Jesus. Huh? Wait, but uh, wait, I got, wait, I got to, I got to get a barb in at Tony quickly. So, Tony, you, Go ahead. can we call, uh, can we call it uh, right now that Patrick Williams is not going to be the most improved player for 2022, <laughs> Is it safe to call that one with 17 yeah, games left? As much as I just was all positive about the upside, and I, I actually really, I like that, I like some of the ways he's trending this season. Um, that was Tony's uh, for people that don't know. Uh, yeah, for sure. Listeners to the I, other podcast we used. To I got expectations uh, for the number four pick. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. All right. So how about this? How about this? I O Kobe. What, what, what decision do the Bulls have to make if it comes down to those two? Hypothetically, Tony, you want that one first? Uh, Kobe. Kobe. Kobe White. Uh. I think, man, Io plays hard, but you. I think from the time that he's been here, 
we've seen why he slipped to it's not slipped, but why he went in the second round. Um, as much as I like him, as much as I like his story, as much as I like his growth that we've seen while he's been a bull, um, I've seen Kobe make even you know more growth and more strides, and I think his ceiling is higher uh, on a career basis than than Io's is. Um, and I'm not you know hating on on, on Io or anything like that. I think it's just. It's not hate. Seen, Jack of I've all seen, trades, master of none. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of what Kobe was able to do, able add to his game, uh, and what he could be. Right, like I, I don't think Kobe White is a on a winning team. I don't think he's a starter for anybody, but I do think he is a major, a can be a key contributor to some serious winning off the bench with the way he shoots. Um, I mean, his ball handling has gotten a lot better. Uh, his playmaking has gotten a lot better uh, in those aspects. So he can be a, a, a very viable six, seven guy off off the bench on somebody's team just to – you need a – all right, the score needs a break. Kobe White goes in, puts up, you know, 10, 13, like gives you that on a, on a consistent enough basis. I just don't see that for Io. On a, on a consistent enough basis. So I'm going Kobe. I agree. I think Kobe's a better player now. They're basically the same age. So, but honestly, and I know I, we, I, the Bulls, they can't keep letting young players that have not found their footing out the door only to, to blossom somewhere else. So I get, if that's an anxiety for fans or for the Bulls, like I get that. That's another one where, you know, if either of those two guys, I'm not advocating for this, but if either of those two guys weren't back next year, does it like if say both of them weren't back? How much does that really change about the way that you think about the right. present and future of the franchise? Like, right. I, I'd be happy if either one of them was back. I think you could pretty easily talk me into it being fine if they're not and other moves are are made. Um, yeah. So to me, that's why I answered Pat so quickly. I just think he's on another tier of prospect player right now. Part of that has to do with the positional value, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a testament to where the roster's at. I just we I think we all agree on this. I don't know that anybody should feel safe whenever the offseason uh, comes around for him. Arturish Conishovers, Mark Eversley, he's got a ton of moves to make because of how strapped they are with some of these contracts and also free agency and the Vooch decision that he has to make. Um, what have we known or what have we learned about Arturish Conishovers, especially? Because, you know, he's the guy. He's, he's the front-facing uh, architect. What have we learned about how he does business over these last couple of years and how he puts teams together and, you know, what, what, what should we expect going forward? And what should Michael Reinsdorf and that or- rest of that organization expect going forward off of the profile that he's built in the time that he's been here? Seems like it oscillates between patience, measuredness, and outright aggressiveness like there was that six month stretch where they were in every transaction making flurries of moves uh and then there's been this 18 month period where it's basically been the same group and the explanation for why the group has stayed mostly static is i don't i'm not even gonna say continuity but just the you know having patience and letting them coalesce and maybe you're hoping for health even though um you know, the Lonzo situation, we've all kind of seen the writing on the wall with that for 
for a while now. Moving forward, I you know I I can't predict the future. Uh, obviously, I'm not around as much anymore, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to speak crazy out of turn with you know making predictions or anything like that. But I thought it was interesting at his trade deadline press conference. I can't remember who asked it. I think it might have been Casey, but I can't remember who asked it. Somebody asked just what what gives you the confidence that if big moves, major shakeups need to happen with this roster moving forward, you can do it given the fact that they're right up against the tax, still out a couple picks, and you know it's just nebulous, especially after especially after going this trade deadline without trading anybody. It's mm-hmm. nebulous what the return mm-hmm. is going to be for guys moving forward. Arturo's kind of hinted at the fact that hey, we've done it before, where. And when he says that, it means, you know, got creative staying over the cap in 2021 with the sign and trades, flipped that roster that they inherited basically on its head and had like 13 of 15 players new within a 12 month span, basically. So the fact that he kind of dropped that nugget or that tea leaf kind of made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. The track record at this point, though, is I kind of have to see that to believe it, to see it happen again, because we still haven't seen that type of aggressiveness with, like I said earlier, quote unquote, their guys, the team that they've assembled. Are they willing to, as we've talked about, look in the mirror, reflect and admit defeat on something that they bear responsibility for and not their predecessors? So maybe that's just me optimistically reading into that one line, but I, I thought it was interesting. And I think that type of approach to this offseason, regardless of what type of team you end up with at the end of it, I think it would probably be welcomed by a lot of the fan base just because this group is clearly not it, no matter if they sneak into the plane or not. And it's the type of situation that warrants that level of shakeup. Uh, you just probably, you know, hope you're not out even more first round picks or, or anything like that. But by the end of it, you know. Yeah. You don't want the sunk cost fallacy to mess around and, uh, and, and steer or direct your decision making. Right. Like if mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can move on, then you move on. You know, <laughs> you can't spend that dollar twice. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Let's get into some more uh, fun things like the rest of the NBA. Hey, man, if these playoffs – and I'm, I'm down because the playoffs, you know, 
I know these 17, 18 games for the rest of this, the NBA are going to decide a lot of things. The West is still jumbled up, as is the East. But, I mean, taking a look at the standings right now as we're recording. By the way, for everybody who's like, you know, don't worry, the, the Nets will slide out of the thing. The Nets now currently have the longest winning streak in the Eastern Conference at three. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Nets are playing some decent enough basketball. So the, the, it, may, it may be just maybe they'll, you know, they'll, they'll hit a rough patch and all of a sudden Mikael Bridges and the boys will fall out of that spot. But right now, they're sitting at sixth in the Eastern Conference. So that's a walk-in. That's a walk-in for the Philadelphia 76ers. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to the West. But the Eastern Conference right now, that Cleveland-New York situation, like I'm I'm hoping that those two teams stay in the 4-5. If, if, if New York slides up to the 4 and Cleveland drops down to the 5, I'm, f- I'm fine with it. But in the East especially, like what are you looking forward to? You, and Tony, uh, what are you all looking forward to storyline-wise, matchup-wise? I mean, you know, the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks have just been kicking people's ass very, under the radar, even though their win streak was was much um, celebrated. Like Drew Holiday has turned into a dude who, you know, the same way people were looking at Devin Booker as an MVP candidate uh, last year, especially. Like, I know Drew Holiday isn't anybody's MVP candidate, but the stretch that he was on for a good two and a half weeks, two weeks or so, I don't know if there's a better two-way player in the Eastern Conference headed into this final month. And, of course, you've got the Philadelphia 76ers question where – James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and of course, Joel Embiid. This is all regular season fun, but what will this team do in the playoffs and what, what is going to be asked of James Harden in the playoffs? What are some of the storylines that, that you're looking forward to getting answered or some of the matchups that, that you can see slated that, that, that might entertain the hell out of you maybe in the first round or the second round? Yeah, I'm mostly looking forward to not having a clue what's going to happen because <laughs> I can't even pretend to guess. Like, there's like five teams who can win the title this year. Totally. I and so Milwaukee, Philly, New York, you'd say probably peaking at the right time right about now. You want to be playing right. your best basketball at this time of the season. Boston doesn't look special anymore at all. So we'll see if they can uh flip a switch there at some point. You know, they've got they've got similar issues to the Bulls if you watch them on a grand level though. They play Two and a half quarter, and I've said this a, a million times on this pod, where the Bulls ask the game, "How hard do you need me to play?" Mm-hmm. And then when the when the, when the, when they get yeah. the right response, they get to have yaha time and fuck around on offense. The Boston Celtics do it at a premium level, but they do it like yeah. I, the, the last few weeks I've watched, where it's like, okay. Two two and a half quarters of rock'em sock'em ball movement and and defensive acuity, and then all of a sudden, when the game allows them to have a little wiggle room or it gets tight, they're turning to the tough shot Boston squad that we saw three years ago that we were shaking our head about, saying, "Well, are they going to have to split these two guys up?" So I, I you know, it's not it's not as smooth sailing as it would seem for a team that is as good as they are. Yeah, and what. 28 point, 15 point, 14 point leads yeah. blown in the last yeah. three games. Like that late yeah. game stuff, even though I know they have one of the best, if not the best clutch record in the NBA, uh, you still have questions when you actually watch it. You still have questions about the late game execution. Right. So the point is, you know, they they looked a tier, they looked a class above earlier in the season. They don't look like that anymore. Um, Cleveland, you know, obviously that, like you said, uh, that, that a first round series with them in New York would be absolutely electric. I think I, yeah. I'm. I think I'd say I'm looking forward to the second round matchups. Like if you get Milwaukee, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, and Philly, Boston round nine or whatever, however many times those teams have gone up against each other, those could be pretty incredible matchups. 
the Eastern Conference, the play-in, I know we were just kind of rolling our eyes at the play-in in the, in the lens of the Bulls. But when you look at the teams that are in there, the Miamis, Torontos, Atlantas. Some star power. There's star power. It's going to be fun. And then, to me, like, say Miami gets out of there as a seventh seed. And, you know, we're just talking about Boston. That's your first-round matchup. Like, that, Miami's a team where I kind of don't care what they look like in the regular season. They're, they're a dogfight in a playoff series no matter what. Like, you might beat them, but they're taking an arm and a leg with them. Um, so even those one, eight, two, seven, like say Toronto gets in as the eight or Atlanta, even those one, eight, two, seven matchups that can sometimes be routes, I think could be more competitive than, you know, they typically are this year. So yeah, just, just seeing what matchups we get, the unpredictability of it. Any of these matchups could go seven, um, and be tooth and nail the whole way. So Whereas the West is unpredictable in kind of a less fun way to me where it's just like everyone's mid and you don't really know. Like everyone just kind of looks one way or the other based on the week. Uh, the East is unpredictable and I, and I think a much more fun way. So I'm Yeah, you think, so you think the East is going to be more fun? Because, I, I mean, right now, Sacramento and Golden State for seven games I think would be hilariously entertaining because Damn, at some yeah. point Golden State's going to be like, all right, guys, it's enough of this bullshit. Like, we, we, we lose on the road in the regular season. We're doing a rebuild and a retool at the same time with a young roster and an old roster, but we still the fucking Golden State Warriors and we're still here to hit. 12, 13 threes by either one of the dudes in the backcourt in one game and the other dude would take over the other game. And I mean, the play-in, like right now for the play-in for the Western Conference, you're talking about Anthony Edwards, Carl Towns, Paul George, uh, uh, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, maybe Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and maybe just maybe Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers. And who knows if that, you know, if that cyborg's foot will heal in time where he comes back and makes a miraculous return in LeBron James for the playing game. Like there's some shit happening in the West right now, man. It's very, very fun. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch because it's like a changing of the guard. And I'm going to keep it funky with y'all until Denver does it. I'm not going to believe it. I, I'm I, like I feel I the same fine. way. I feel the same yeah, way about fair. Memphis. I feel the same way about Memphis too. Oh yeah, well Memphis those, is cooked. And that's a whole other Memphis story. Memphis is cooked. Yeah, Memphis is cooked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to the strip clubs. You know what I mean? <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me Man's see. Let me, <laughs> let me see Oklahoma City snatch New Orleans' spot. Let me shamelessly oh, for that. See? I want to see. I want to see. Shea. see I know I'm, Shea's root, I'm rooting the for the plan, series, though. I'm. You, I'm rooting for the plan, though, Rob. Yeah. Like I'm rooting for them to have Wembenyama. Oh my god! <laughs> fucking With Chet, Chet Holmgren oh and and Shai, yeah. and Shea Gilgis mm-hmm. Alexander, and then have the rest of the league like. Oh shit, Sam Presti. <laughs> Sam, Sam Presti's been putting forty-seven thousand draft picks together for a reason, and he didn't even have to. Like, I want to see, I want to see that foolishness happen in a city that the NBA doesn't want it to happen in. Like, I want all of the chaos at once, all of it. Yeah. You think Billy's looking over there like, hmm? Oh yeah, welcome back. <laughs> I know you like that. Uh, hey man. Hey, now, man. I, now I got Billy Donovan. I'm thinking of Billy Donovan and Mace's clothes in the welcome back video. Let's get it. <laughs> Let's get it. Talking to his agent. Dignal, uh, Dignal's we not have any that seat up, man. Dignal's not giving that seat up. <laughs> nah, he's not. Nah, and he shouldn't. And he shouldn't. Nah. What about you, Tone? West, East, what's, what's uh, tickling your fancy as we get 
ready to get out of this dog days of the season. By the way, shout out to the NBA for making the, the all-star break what it is because mm-hmm. there are no dog days anymore. As soon as you come out of the all-star break, it's a 25-game sprint yep. to the finish line. None of this bullshit where we're wondering like, okay, which 35 games, you know, how many, how, what 20 of them don't you have to watch for some of these contending teams? So shout out to the scheduling and also the NFL trying to take over days later on in the NBA season. It's, uh, it's all working towards our fan entertainment and enjoyment. There's so much blood in the water right now, right? Like, again, we talked about this is what the NBA dreamed about and what they wanted, you know, a max player on each team and a potential championship, like, belief, at least some for everybody, you know? Um, and and I think that's what they got this year, right? Like, I'm, I'm looking to see, you know, my, my guy, the big Hagen Dazs, right? Like, he has a chance – there, there, there are no super duper teams unless Phoenix kind of figures this thing out. Uh, but health wise, I don't, I don't know if I trust Phoenix for for. A I don't trust their bench run. at all. All right, I don't trust their bench. They're, they got issues. So if you are, um, you know, Jokic or Tatum or um, Joel, right, and you're looking at this, I'm like, man, this, this is my opportunity. Yeah. Right, like this is this is my chance to get into that space because next year the league could flip and somebody could gather all the things and all the pieces and, for example, say what uh, Jay just used, they Oklahoma City gets Wimby, and now in two years they're the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> um, so right. in this window of aging LeBron. And nobody really to take that spot because KD is, you know, injury prone. Uh, Giannis, I don't know. That team is just kind of, you know, up and down. I don't know if you feel super confident in the Bucks right now as, as a dominant force. Uh, there's some real opportunities to grasp what somebody's legacy is going to be. Uh, Luca, I'm not leaving him out of this conversation. This, this is an opportunity for him, too. Um, that's, that's who I want to – that's what I'm interested in seeing. Is this has Jokic heard enough? And this is his time where he's like, nah, this is I'm going to win my third consecutive MVP and I'm going to win the finals this year. Like, what conversations are we having if he does that? That that I'm I'm interested in the conversation that we're going to have at the end of it because there's going to be some real legacy discussions happening. The four five right now, if the playoffs started in the Western Conference, would be Kyrie Irving against Chris Paul. Luka Doncic against Kevin Durant and Dorian Finney-Smith against Devin Booker. So and then, then you can size it up anyway. And, you know, well, no, 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 uh, <laughs> no Dodo anymore. He's in Brooklyn Oh, yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. Josh Green, get Josh Green, baby. Get it. My bad, my fault. <laughs> Clear the runway. My fault. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. But, I mean, think about that, though. You've got that kind of star power in a 4-5 series in the Western Conference. I remember and, – and I don't remember exactly when it changed for me, but – and it, maybe it's been this way the whole time. I was just a young, stupid basketball fan. But the NBA playoffs now are more about matchups than seeding, more so than it has ever been. Like, now it's, it's about styles making fights. 
where it used to be, oh, this team's not scared to go on the road for game seven. Now it's like, oh, shit, I'm the sixth seed and I'm playing you at the three seed. And we know that y'all can't run and y'all can't rebound. And that's all we do is run and rebound. I'm going to beat you. Like the styles make the fight now. So when we talk about teams having an expectation of a second round or an Eastern Conference or a Western Conference finals, let me let me see who the fuck you talking about in that first round. Right? Because you may be going up against a team that made a late season trade or made a late season trade that gutted their team and you're talking about maybe because we won't have the the asterisk next to a playoff run if the Brooklyn Nets are the the first team that you oust right it's just gonna be that's who you faced and they were the sixth that year and oh by the way we're gonna have to look at why the Brooklyn Nets were so easily beaten but I and taking a look at this thing now man styles are gonna make the fight you know if, if the Denver Nuggets have to face any one of Minnesota, L.A., New Orleans, and Los Angeles, like, I, I think they get Minnesota out of there quickly. But it's going to be a fight with the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard ain't going to do that shit that he's done all regular season long where he's had to get himself together to get to play regular season games. He's going to play in the playoffs. And and if, if that big man from New Orleans comes back, at any point in time during this last 18 games, I don't give a shit how you feel about Zion Williamson. Look at the numbers he puts up when he's healthy. It's been, period. The dude is a, 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 a meter mover. All right? That dude moves everything. He is a force multiplier. And, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis, you could, you could talk all the shit you want about him too. But if you take a look at his numbers this year, when he's played, you know, and that's been sparingly, but when he's played, he's at 26 and a 12. So, this, this this is going to be uh, a whole bunch of street fights, I think. Like, I don't see a whole bunch of sweeps if I'm looking at these things either, right? Like, the Brooklyn Nets, yeah, we'll, we'll give them that. Like, the Philadelphia – but the Philadelphia 76ers are wonky enough to mess around and lose a game that they're not supposed to lose in the playoffs too. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, finally, um, boy, the brothers have come under fire. Because now the narrative is switched. Now it's the brothers keeping the white man down. Is Nikola Jokic going to get his third MVP in a row? And I think he should. I think he should. But what's happening right now with the discourse around the MVP? And and why did it have to happen around this doughy man who's the greatest passing center that I've ever seen in my life? I can't even get my head around it, man. I was I was scrolling through Twitter today and I was like, I'm glad I don't deal in the i'm glad my like brand or the image i have to uphold isn't like getting in the mud on you know mvp discourse like that because i got nothing for it for me i don't care what the names are involved i think the voter fatigue thing is bs and always has been and always so, has been you know whoever is gonna be the person that changes that whether it's Jokic or somebody else there's gonna be a heightened level of attention around it but for me, I totally understand people that say it might not look right if in, you know, 10, 15 years, he's the first one to win three in a row since whoever. It's the first since Larry. Has it been that long? Yeah. So I get how that looks weird. But to me, and this has always been my stance on individual regular season awards, put this regular season in a vacuum. That's all you could do. Like, that. It, that's the only way it's fair. And I, it has not been done like that in the past there is no debating that but for me like if the trend is bucked this year i'm not gonna be mad at it because he's deserving to me uh and i thought he was deserving last year and i thought he was deserving the year before that that you could have made arguments for other people um but there's no way you could say that that was 
a wrong decision. It's the state of how much talent and how much top-end talent we have in the league right now. Like, there's just him, Embiid, Giannis, to me, those three. Like, you couldn't make a wrong decision between those three this year. So, if he, meaning Jokic, wins it, cool. If not, whatever. I don't know. It's just straight so far away from basketball, the conversation around it. I like the I like the playoff conversation we were having a little bit more. It's just like, that's what we're all here to do and watch and consume and be entertained by, right? I just don't. It doesn't move. If you were to, if it you, doesn't move. If, if Rob Schaefer were to define what an MVP is for him in a season, because I know what it is. I mean, it's very simple for me in any season, yeah. in any sport. Um, who Who's the season about? Like, like who who captured the season? Who had the moments of the season? Whose team rose above, um, maybe not expectations, but played at a level that that would belie that an MVP's excellence uh, shine through. And sometimes when a player isn't there, you see how much of an MVP a player is, right? Like, you know, that was you know the last couple of years. I mean, we take a look at the Memphis Grizzlies. They do a lot, but they do a lot when Jaw's not there too. Right. And, and maybe that you that that lends to roster construction. You don't want that to be a ding on a personal award. But who's the season about? Right. When it was when it was Cam Newton in the NFL, you know, half a decade ago, you know, he was the season was about him. You know, if it's if it's Nikola Jokic three years in a row, let's face it, man, you watch in night in, night out on League Pass. I had a chance to watch the, the Toronto Raptors Denver Nuggets game the other night. The Raptors melt down, but Nikola Jokic's presence and the way they back cut off of him and the fact that Aaron Gordon is playing like a premier player because he's doing all the high low and all the cutting and in a dunker spot and in, in, in an unorthodox kind of offense where you got a seven footer at the nail running everything for you. Michael Porter Jr. is getting all the touches and all the looks that he wants because of Nikola Jokic. We talk about guys making guys better and also playing at a high level. I don't know how you can argue against this dude and and he's doing that at an efficiency level that we haven't seen in decades. Yeah. In decades. So it's like, what do you want to celebrate? Because all the shit that you say you want to celebrate he is embodied the entire year. And that's no and that's the other thing too. People think because you say one guy is something that this means that the other guy is totally not that. And that that is that reductive, you know, ESPNization of fucking de- uh, of of conversation where we're getting points and you know, you get something for a good take and you get something. Nah, man, fuck all that. Like Joel Embiid is still the man. Giannis Antetokounmpo to me is still the best player in basketball, but the most valuable player throughout this season, whether you look at the numbers, whether you look at impact, whether you look at the guys that have wrote like orbited around him, Jamal Murray has been allowed to become the fourth best player on that team because of how good Nikola Jokic has been through the injury and through him coming back from injury. So that that would be my take on it. Now, if you wanted to, like you said, if you wanted to give it to Joel Embiid because of the defensive presence, I got no problem with it. Got no problem with it, but I'm not about to sit here and act like just because, you know, Bill Russell didn't do this or Shaq didn't get a chance to do this or all these. Well, guess what? Maybe just maybe the writers and the powers that be fucked up back then. That's the other thing, too, man. Like we can't we can't say somebody else fucked up so we can keep fucking up. That's just a bad way to go about life, relationships or sports. Preach. Preach. I totally agree with that. That's perfectly said. The, the the argument for for Jokic not getting the third MVP is well, those other dudes didn't do it. 
if like if, if that's your only argument on why a guy shouldn't win an MVP, it's not really an argument. Like, come on, what are we what are we doing here? We're supposed to be getting smarter every you know right. <laughs> as we go along. Right. Like, why do we harp on past mistakes as the standard? Like, no, that's and also it's it's a conversation. And ESPN it they kill me with this. Um, it's it's about the conversation that nobody wants to have is should there be an, a best player in the NBA award and then an MVP award? They don't want to do that because it, I don't know if they think that it'll demean the MVP award by doing that. Yeah. Um, but soccer, don't they do it? They got an MVP and they got the, oh, this is the Golden best. Boot. Right. They got, they have, they split the two awards. Um, but I don't think enough people know that this isn't the best player in the world award. That's not what it is. It's put the like Rob said, put the season in the vacuum. Like Jason said, it's what is who has this season been about? It's about those two things, not who's the best player. In, otherwise, Michael Jordan would have won it every year. He probably should have won it every year. <laughs> but again, well, yeah, it's like mistakes. the uh, it's like mistakes. the coach. It's real. It's like the coach of the year thing. Like Bill Belichick could have won it every year for twenty years. Pop, Popovich right. could have won it every year. For 15, 20 years. I mean, Phil's got it like what twice. Phil, yeah, like none of these guys, <laughs> yeah. none of none of the actual, you know, elite, elite, all time level guys have won that award that many times because of this standard that it's held to. Maybe I don't know, Tony. Maybe because because that's the thing. I also see the arguments trickling in. Well, X player's game isn't transferable to the playoffs, and that's just by definition not what the award is about. Right? Is there a is there a playoff MVP award? Like, is there a, a holistic, like you said, Tony, player of the year where you can incorporate both? Or should we all just chill out? You know, no, like that's sack, really the sack the, sack the fuck up and be okay with the MVP award being about the most <laughs> valuable player. I don't need some fucking dude who's the sixth seed in the fucking West being granted the, okay, at least I got the best player in the league award. Shut up. Shut up. The reason why you didn't get the MVP award was maybe because your team ain't shit. And because your team ain't shit, maybe your numbers are outstanding. Like, come on, man. Like, we're doing we're doing the most with the most simple things. Mm-hmm. Like for 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 a, a sporting culture where, you know, we gotta replay everything, we gotta, you know, speed up games and you know, acquiesce to motherfuckers who don't even like the sports that they are actually watching. Like this whole baseball thing is hilarious to me. Baseball made like three changes changes in 85 years and then was like by the way we're gonna change the game one off season for you and enjoy by the way and they, and they changed it for motherfuckers who ain't watching they changed it for kids who who not gonna sit down for the two hours and 15 minutes because they wasn't gonna sit down for the three hours they ain't gonna sit yeah. down for the hour and a half like stop messing around with your game and just keep the integrity of it i don't need to go back and listen the the, the fun thing about mvp discussions is you can have those conversations, you can go back and forth about whose year it should have been. Who, I mean, hell, in this this city alone, I got killed in 2011 because I was like, hey, y'all, um, the guy went to <laughs> Miami <laughs> and played with two Hall of Famers and his numbers didn't change and they went to the finals. So I know it's not a postseason award, but the anti-LeBron year was Derrick Rose's. And shout out to Derrick Rose's. That's the thing. I wasn't going to bring that up, but that's a great. It was the anti-LeBron year. Yeah. Like, that's Mm -hmm. that's an example where, you know, I wasn't really consuming 
and analyzing the game at a high level back then. I was still a teenager. Uh, so I don't know what my take would have been on it at the time, but you know, that is one example of a year where a guy was probably taken out of consideration unfairly and just, and yes, it was unfair when it happened in the past, but does that mean it has to be unfair for the rest of time? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's ridiculous to, to, to posit that. It's it's the the MLB hall of fame voting, right? It's like, Oh, Babe Ruth didn't get 100%. Well, I got to get Ken Griffey 100%. Right. right. The Mariano Rivera vote was the most, the, the most pretzel logic shit I have ever seen, where the undoubtedly, unmistakably, unmistakably greatest closer in the history of the game, people had to say, you know what? I can't vote for him because Babe Ruth didn't even get 100% of the vote. And we wonder why our country's in the shape that it's in, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm extrapolating. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going, I'm going big picture now, huh? Because we've got common sense shit that should be getting done that gets argued against because there's an argument to be made. You know what? Not all your arguments should be made. Sometimes you should just shut the fuck up and say this is greatness. Okay, <laughs> like that's what I'm. All right, don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. See, yeah, that, felt like an, that felt like another forty-five minutes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I was about to start to get. And don't get me started on these goddamn meter maids out here in the city of Chicago. <laughs> okay, the biggest, the biggest gang of player haters in this motherfucking city. Every time I see one of you motherfuckers, I take a picture of y'all and post it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, this is this is hater number seven forty five walking the streets of Chicago. Yeah, do you know what kind of fucking hater you got to be to fill out a job application that says I will be putting tickets on people's cars in hopes that they get booted because they can't pay for said tickets? Huh? How can you how can you go out at night and enjoy your you know shot of henny with with that on your conscience? Huh? The full goal with Jason Golf. Rob. It's always good to see you. Uh, Love talking to you, man. Too, man. Uh, let's 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 make this thing more more uh, frequent as uh, the NBA season winds down and we get ready for some uh, some real real fun playoff action. I'm looking forward to it, brother. Hundred percent. You know I'm always game. So thanks for thanks for having me. It felt like uh, felt like old times. Dare I say? Yeah, it did. a little bit. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I think the old times will get back to uh, to normal here soon. I like I said, man. The outset of this thing, you you're one of these uh, overly humble guys, and I'm not, so I'll, I won't do it for you. Uh, Rob Schaefer is the fucking nuts. He is a an outstanding talent. He is a dude who understands the game and also understands the uh, the culture surrounding the game. I think a lot better than he lets on as well. So. Uh, make sure wherever you get a chance to check out his content. Oh, my God. Troy Brown Jr. just put some Memphis Grizzly with the number 46 in the rim just now. See? See, things things that you never thought you would say are happening during this podcast. Like me having to tell y'all to go check out Rob Schaefer's content. Make sure y'all follow him on Twitter. He is our dude, and you will be hearing him on this podcast more frequently as we go along. I think we've done enough here, man. We 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 sprayed to all NBA fields. You feel me? I I got Rob to jump on the hot seat, and he didn't want to about the NBA, uh, you know, um, casting you know a, a poor light on the uh hard-working white man that is Nikola Jokic 
you know <laughs> I tried to make Rob dance on that frying pan for his white <laughs> brethren and, and he chose not to which was smart you know especially with <laughs> with the career jump ball that's happening right now my man I'm played it the myself. way it was supposed I'm to I'm exactly. yeah. he has muted himself yeah yeah that's it that's it we want to thank y'all for hanging out with us we want to thank Rob Schaefer we want to thank our production staff the shadow we figured that is known as Steve Cerruti the active Jesse Lopez my main man Tony Gill and of course like you just heard Rob Schaefer thank you for downloading this thing thank you for subscribing to this thing thank you for rating and reviewing it giving it the five stars that you know it needs if not we're going to see you in the streets and at this point I can commission Rob Schaefer to be my muscle so he might see you in the streets if you don't give us five stars make sure that you keep the voicemail line near and dear close to your heart and closer to your contact 773-359-3103 anytime anything is on your bird make sure you put it right there 773-359-3103 we'll talk to y'all on Thursday All right, looking forward to it the Bulls will have played the Denver Nuggets we'll talk to y'all about that and how they dealt with the altitude and the pending MVP and Nikola Jokic and some other combine stuff that I want to get to as well and we'll see what's the latest on the John Morant situation we'll maybe jump to the college basketball bag like I've been threatening that and much much more coming up on Thursday's edition of the full go but until then we leave you with this as always take care of each other and be safe